You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Who is God and what is his purpose? This question has been asked throughout the ages. The Bible reveals that God's purpose and identity are so closely linked to almost be the same. Christ fulfilled God's purpose to give people a hope for the future. Have you ever wanted to know who God is or what God might be like? Have you ever thought to yourself or asked your friends, wondering what the purpose of everything is? These are pretty big questions that we're going to be having a look at together this afternoon. But first, we have to set some groundwork. Asking questions about God, about who they are, about what they're like, what is their purpose, their intent, etc., Those questions assume that there is a God who does exist. And so this afternoon we are evidence for the existence of God, reasons for believing in God or anything like that. If you'd like to hear quick, happy to talk afterwards. Resources that we can share with you. But for this topic tonight, we have to start with the basis that all of us accept the existence of God. And even if you're not at that point yourself, the fact that you're here at this talk would indicate that you do at least see it as a possibility. And so we can address those concerns at another time, but for now just go with us and see who God is if God does exist. And the other foundation point we need to agree upon up front is the information that we can use for our basis when we're exploring and answering this topic. And so we here use the Bible as our main source of information about God. And again, I'm not going to be proving tonight how reliable the Bible is or demonstrating its veracity and why I have such confidence in it. We have other talks on this topic and we are happy to discuss it with you afterwards and answer, answer any questions and point you in the direction of any relevant resources. But for this talk, we're going to continue with the assumption that the Bible is the accepted source of divine knowledge. Also, none of us here would claim to be infallible. We're all just Bible students doing our best to study God's word and to share the hope and the knowledge we find within it. We won't always know the answer to every question that you might have as soon as you asked it, but we'd always be happy to look into it and get back to you with an answer at the conclusion of our afternoon together. And we'd love to hear any thoughts, questions or or discussion you may have at that time. So now that we've establish their foundation from which we can start to address these questions. Before we start answering them themselves, let's briefly consider why these questions could be very important. So to begin with, if there is a God, a powerful being with immense knowledge and control, wouldn't it be a smart idea to find out about who they are and what it is that they might want? And remember, we're assuming for the purpose of this talk that God is real and that we do have accessible information about God in the Bible. And so wouldn't we naturally take advantage of that information to learn a little bit about God? 
or at least learn enough to know that we want, if we want to know more or to see if God has any expectations of us and if we want to care about any of that. And all of us, when we make a big decision in our lives, be that something like a new car or a new job or a new house, some sort of investment, or if you're planning a big holiday or getting married, these are the sort of decisions that you don't just jump into haphazardly, but you plan things out. You do your research. You get to know what sort of features the car in question has or the layout of the house that you're looking at. Or you get to know the person that you're planning to spend all this time with. And so in the same way, the responsible thing to do for these other sort of big questions would be to do your research, to get to know who God is. Because that information could have an impact on some of these big decisions that we may have to make in our lives. And the Bible also tells us that knowing God is a big deal. And all of the Bible quotes I'll be referring to this afternoon will be displayed on the screen so you can easily read them. But I will also give you the reference so you can have a look at the sections yourself later if you would like. So our first quote for this afternoon is from the Gospel of John. In chapter 17, verse 3, which says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So we can see that this is a very significant question because the answer can have to do with our eternal life. And the wording of some of these passages can be a little bit difficult, but I'll help you to uh, help to explain what the main takeaway is from these verses. And so from this one, the main takeaway is, if you want eternal life, then this verse is telling us that we need to know God. And we'll come back and have a bit more of a look at this verse again later. And so we know that in uh, folklore and legends, fables, there are many tales of people that search for a fountain of youth, youth or some other access to eternal life. And here we're told plainly that if we're looking for eternal life, we don't need to be going out on some sort of quest for a holy chalice or a mystical fountain in a forest. We need to be looking for God. So that's our background. Let's start getting into the questions ourselves. So our first question for tonight, or for this afternoon, sorry, is who is God? And so we're going to answer this question in a few different steps. But I think a common first question that many people would ask when they're trying to find out about somebody is, what is their name? So what is it that we know about God's name? Well, God goes by many different titles in the Bible. Most of these titles speak about his power, his authority or his position. But we do have a record in the Bible of someone directly asking God about his name. That record is found in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13. And then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So Moses here is being sent to deliver his people. But he wants to know a bit more about the name of the one who's sending him so he can properly introduce him to those who, is, who he is meant to deliver. And 
Personally, I tend to think that Moses already knew what God's name was, and there is evidence for this because God's name is used in this chapter, uh, not just in these verses, but throughout this chapter. And I would think that, I think here, God is, uh, Moses sorry, is asking for a little bit more information, a little bit more depth about God's name, some bit more understanding about what it's all about. But whatever the case is, the important thing for us here this afternoon is that God does answer this question in the very next verse. Where God says to Moses, I am who I am. He said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And this may seem like a bit of an odd answer to us, but God here is not just revealing his name, but also some of the meaning of this name. And so there's some names or titles of God that you may have heard before. And I'm referring to the word Yahweh or Jehovah. These, these are things that you may or may not have come across before. But they are just two different spellings or two, and two different pronunciations of essentially the same name. Uh, and that's this name that we looked at in Exodus chapter 3, which is God's name. The reason that we have two different versions and a bit of a discrepancy here is the Hebrew alphabet, they have the same letter for both J and Y. They don't have two different sounds. And also they don't have a different letter for V and W. They again use the same letter for that. And the Hebrew alphabet, they don't use vowels in their words the same way that we do, just the consonants. And so um, using those building blocks, translators have translated this name a couple of different ways, uh, trying, to make, uh, trying to take it from the original Hebrew into English. And so we kind of get two English versions from the one Hebrew original. And so um, here at Hyde Park, we generally favour the spelling and the pronunciation of Yahweh. But if we know, we do know that if we see Jehovah written or said anywhere, it is still referring to exactly the same thing. So how do we get this name Yahweh from I am that we read in that verse in Exodus? Well, this phrase I am is just a single word in Hebrew. And that word is the word ayah uh, or ayah. Uh, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but I'm led to believe that it's this, it is the root word from which Yahweh is derived. And so many of you may be able to think of, of names of people that are derived from a word either from English or from another language, and this is the same sort of thing, where the name isn't exactly the word, but it's got this, that, that meaning. And so Yahweh is the name itself, but what does it really mean? Well, there is a lot of depth to this answer in Exodus 3. And so delving into the meaning behind this answer and this name as a whole is really a whole other study all in itself. And so we're just going to scratch the surface here this afternoon. But we do need to know there are a couple of layers here. The I am at the surface level is God's declaration that he is real and existent. And... Another thing about the Bible being translated from Hebrew into English is uh, Hebrew, in the Hebrew, the tense of this word is conveyed a little diff differently that's hard to really show in the English. And so the idea here is a continuous tense, 
not just something that currently is, I currently am this, but it's something that has been, something that is becoming, that is, that will continue to be, all the way throughout to eternity. And so God has existed since the beginning, and he is eternal. He's always existed and will always exist. But as I said, there's more to it than just that. God's not just saying that he is himself. Uh, but if, if we remember what I said about the continuous sense, and we consider the context of this chapter, the context that Moses has been sent to deliver his people, we can start to look at this name just a little deeper. So let me help you break it down a little bit. If we look at this I am who I am, this first I am we could see as I am and I will be, or I am becoming with that continuous tense. And the who is what sort of person or people. And then the I am is again repeated, emphasising God's existence, but they don't know the true God. And so Paul is going to uh, introduce him to them. And so we've got this record in Acts chapter 17 and verses 24 and 25, where Paul says, God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hand, but by man, and he gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So we see here that Paul is explaining how God is the all-powerful creator, not like how the Greeks had a God for the sea and a God for the farms and a God for the mountains and a God for the storms and all these different things. Paul is saying, no, there is one God who made everything. This one God that cannot be contained who is everywhere and sustains all life. And when we think about it in those terms, God can seem a little bit overwhelming, so far above us, so much greater, that we must be so insignificant compared to God. Why would he even pay any attention to us? But Paul continues with this speech and gives us more information in verses 27 and 28, saying, telling them that, they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for we are indeed his offspring. So we see here that God is so great and so powerful, he is the origin of all things. But Paul tells us that we should seek him out. That God is close to us. He doesn't distance himself, but he views us as his children. And to me, that's a really, really powerful image and a powerful quote that someone so great with so much power and influence over the whole, over the whole world cares about us like a father. It's, yeah, it, it just really blows you away and thinks, to think that it's so incredible. And it really you know, makes you want to respond to that call. And so the next thing we want to know about somebody, uh, now that we know their name and their position, is to know about their character, what they're like. And so I've got a couple of quotes prepared to help us learn God's character. Firstly, we're going to start in the letter written by the Apostle John 
uh, in chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8. First of John 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so this is a very popular quote when talking about the character of God. And isn't it such an amazing statement? God, the powerful creator, is love. That's the epitome of his character. And if we want to know God, then we must learn to show godly love. And I really, really don't want to detract from, from how amazing this quote is. But I do need to point out that some people do take this quote to mean that this is unconditional love. But that's not what God says. God doesn't just love everybody no matter what they do. But justice is also part of God's character. And so we're going to look at another quote from much closer to the beginning of the Bible in Exodus 34, where God proclaims his character. And so this is... Um, again, God is going to be talking to Moses and telling Moses what he is like. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And so I just want to point out before we go any further that when in a Bible quote we see the word Lord in all capital letters like we have here, this is an indicator from the translators that this is the name Yahweh that is being used here, the name that we saw that we considered earlier. So here we see it's Yahweh, Yahweh. And so he's putting his name as a stamp on this character saying, this is who I am. He's merciful, gracious, forgiving and loving. But it's not all unconditional. He is just. And those that turn their backs and defy him do not get the same treatment as those that love him and try and follow his way. And that does make sense. And there are many other passages in the Bible that speak of God's character. They tell us things like that he doesn't lie, that he doesn't do wrong, he doesn't tempt people to do wrong. But the very essence of his character is really summarised and summed up in those two quotes that we turn to. And the others, I have some more quotes there on the screen, but there are many, many more. Uh, there are more specific extensions and clarifications of this overall definition. And so we're not going to be looking at, we don't, we're not going to be spending time looking at all of them here this afternoon. But they are there on the slide if you want to take a look later. And so we've now looked at God's name. We've looked at his position and power, and we've looked at his great character. So how else can we get to know God? Well, Jesus answers this question for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 9. And so the context of this quote that we're about to look at is that one of the disciples of Jesus has asked Jesus to show them God and show, or show them the Father. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and still you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
And so here Jesus is telling us that if we get to know him, we get to know God. And so I'm not saying here that Jesus is God. They aren't the same person. But what they do have is the same character, the same goals. They are aligned together and Christ does his Father's will, as he goes on to explain in this chapter. And so I'll come back to that point in just a minute. But for now, the main point is that we can get to know God by getting to know Jesus. And there's so much written about Jesus in the Bible that we can read. If we, if we want to get to know him. And so we've started to answer the question, who is God? And naturally there is so much more to discover. But if you are interested, I would highly recommend looking into it yourself. But for now, we're just going to have a bit of a dip into our second question for this afternoon. What is God's purpose? So now that we have a little bit of an idea of who God is and that he created all things, well, what is his purpose? Why did he do it all? What's the plan here? Well, some people may think that God did everything, creating the world, sending his son Jesus Christ for us, and that our salvation and the eternal life that we mentioned at the earlier part of this talk uh, is the whole point. But really, that's only part of the picture. We know that God is love. We know that God loves us, but his purpose is much greater and grander than just saving us. God actually tells us his purpose in Numbers chapter 14, verse 21, where it says, But as truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And so he's using this as an example of something that is so sure and certain, because this is what is going to happen, because this was his purpose and his intent all along. So God's purpose, the reason he created everything to begin with, the reason he sent his son is to fill the earth with his glory. So that then begs the question, what is God's glory? Well, this is where, in my opinion, Bible study gets really interesting. Because these questions we're asking start to link back to some of the quotes and some of the references that we've already considered. And so, I assume you remember this quote about God's character, where God declared who he was to Moses. Well, this declaration of God's character is a response to a question from Moses. And the question was not, what is your character? The question was, Show me your glory. And so if you can see the reference there is, is the end of Exodus 33. It's the, very, the previous chapter, just a few verses before this declaration, where Moses asks this of God and God says, I will do this for you. I will proclaim to you who I am. And so what God is really telling us is that God's character is the same thing as his glory. When Moses asks, show me your glory... God is like, I'll tell you my character. And so this character 
is what he wants to fill the whole earth with. But how can he fill the earth with his character? How would that work? Well, remember that quote we looked at in John 14 of Christ having the same character as God. So that Christ could say that anyone who has seen him has seen the Father. That's an example of God's character being reflected. So it's not just coming from one source, God, but it's being reflected off Christ. But that's still only one more person. And we're talking about filling the whole earth. And you're not going to fill the whole earth off just one reflection. And so this is why I emphasize that Jesus is not the same person as God. He just had the same character. Because Christ wants his followers to reflect this character of God in the same way that he did. It's not something special that only Christ could do. It's something that Christ wants all of us to do. And so this is recorded for us in one of Christ's prayers in the Gospel of John in chapter 17 in verses 21 and 22 where Christ prays that they, speaking here of his disciples, his followers, may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, so that they may be one, even as we are one. So we see here that Christ wants us to be as one in the same way that he is one with God. And he wants us to be in him and in God and them in us in the same way as they are with each other. So it's not something special and unique to Christ being part of God. It's talking about having this same purpose, this same character, because Christ wants us to be have that same oneness that he has. So it's one purpose, one will, one character, not one person. And he even mentions in this quote, sharing that glory, the glory that God had given him, he's given to them. And what is this glory that we defined before? Well, that's God's character. God's character that God showed to Christ and gave Christ, and so Christ would show that character. Christ has shown that character and how to display it and how to live it to his disciples so that they can also show that glory. And this prayer is, in fact, the very same prayer that we quoted earlier about eternal life being to know God and to know Christ. And so doesn't this new understanding give us a bit of extra depth here? To know God and to know Christ because they are the same character, the same will and purpose, to get to better know, and what better way do we have to know them and to learn of them than to learn to show that same character, to live in that same character and that same purpose and will ourselves to reflect that glory. And so we can be part of this eternal life. And this is how God intends to fill the world with his glory, by having people that reflect his glorious character, people with eternal life that can fill this earth and show this character all around the globe. And so now 
maybe what I was saying about God's name being about a group of people makes a little bit more sense as well. Because God wants a people that are like him. A people that are that have a part with him. That have one in that are one with him in purpose and in character, just as we saw in John 17. And we remember also that's what John wrote in his letter about God's character being love, and that to know God, we need to show this love. And so we've come a full circle here, and we've seen that these two questions that we've opened up here to consider tonight are not really two questions at all, but they're one question because God's name is his purpose. His name spells out not just who he is, but the whole intent of why he's done everything. And that purpose is his glory, and that glory is his character, which is who he is, and who he always was, and who he always will be throughout eternity. And so we see that these two questions are intrinsically linked. And we've seen that Christ wants us to be part of this purpose, wants us to share in that glory. And so how is it that we can be part of this glorious purpose? Well, this comes back to what I was saying right at the start of our talk about getting the facts and doing the research before making big decisions because we found out some information here and now we know a lot more about the big decisions and, and the opportunities that are in front of us. And we've already seen that part of this eternal life and being part of this plan is getting to know God and Christ, as we saw in John 17. And to know them, to get to develop the character of God in our own lives and show that love of God to one another, like we saw in 1st of John. But we are told that there are some more steps that should be taken if we want to be one with God and with Christ. Paul writes in a letter to the Ecclesia of the Galatians, chapter 3 and verse 27, saying, For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. And so we see also that baptism is a component of sharing in this glory. But baptism itself is a topic for another time, not one that we'll get into now, other than to mention that it is part of this process that we do take to be part of God's plan and God's purpose. That plan and purpose, which is to fill the earth with God's glory, reflected in all the faithful individuals who are Christ's. And so we see this as part of the picture, but when is this picture going to be fulfilled? When is this all going to happen? When is it that the earth will be filled with God's glory? And everyone will know of his name. Well, we believe that Jesus Christ will return to this earth. We have here on the screen a quote from Acts where after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, he ascended to heaven. But the angels assured his disciples that Jesus wasn't just gone up into heaven and that's it, that he is coming back. He will return in the same way back to this earth. And so we here at Hyde Park believe that Christ will return to this earth. And when he returns to this earth, he will raise those 
that have died in faith. So even if you're not alive at the time when Christ returns, that eternal life is still on offer through resurrection. And when he returns, he will establish an eternal kingdom over all the earth. It'll fill the whole earth, the whole world, with people that have this character and this knowledge of God. And this kingdom will never end. And we believe that this time is coming very soon. And we look at the prophecies and the things that are happening in the world all around us. And so we believe that Christ's return is not far away. So in summary, we've seen tonight from the Bible that God is the creator of the universe. That he's all-powerful, the giver of all life. But he doesn't distance himself. He sees us as his children and he shows us love as the love of a father. And this love is really the epitome of his character. We've seen so many of the characteristics of God tonight. But really he is a loving and forgiving and merciful God. And he, ha he has a plan, a plan to fill this earth with his character. And this was his plan from the beginning. And this plan is sure and is certain. And he'll fill the earth with people that reflect this character. And we can be one of those people. We've seen tonight that we can be a part of this glorious plan if we develop this character and we join with God and Christ in baptism and in our lives. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.